sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Shine, sports investors. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, October 26th. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez, and as always, I got my main man, Kevin Walsh, burning the candle at both ends, trying to give you what you need to be profitable today in the sports investment world. And boy, oh boy, are we going to put the fun in functional sports content. A big-time Week 7, Kev. I was on yesterday morning on Pro Football Today, and I was calling it Identity Week. I was saying there was going to be be a lot of games where we were going to truly find the identity of some of these teams in these matchups. You know, I really thought about it in terms of San Francisco, New England. What would we be saying about the loser of that game? Teams like Cleveland, would they have their identity? Would we learn more about the identity of teams like the New Orleans Saints? We had an opportunity to learn more about these teams, Kev. What was your biggest takeaway from Week 7? Like, if we learned something about a team, if you were more, you know, Mm. like we said in week one, right, in week two, you know, we're forming our theses, thesi, Mm -hmm. on these teams. Are there any team out there that their performance yesterday made you feel like, oh, this is who they are? Really, really good question. New England's performance was the most jarring. If you'll allow me, though, because we're going to hit a lot of these. We're going to hit, obviously, all of these games. There was yeah. something that stood out to me from just a pure betting-wise, from a general sense. And I'm just I'm curious because, you know, you're someone, right, with a very deep fantasy background. And I always believe sure. that fantasy players can dominate in the props market, right? So that's why guys mm. like you, Joe Galena, I yeah. always trust your opinion when it comes to the props the fantasy market. fantasy hates so, Joe Galena. Absolutely. So I started off the year, Dane, doing really well with the props. Really, really well. Last two weeks, uh, a combined eight prop bets. And I own it, by the way. One and seven. Terrible. I I mean, I can't hit water if I fell out of a boat. Now, I can take you prop by prop. I'll save you that. Some of them... Maybe bad bets. The Zeke bet over top. Sure. Right? Diggs got 11 targets. You live with that. Have you found the prop market to be any more difficult, easier as this season has developed? I'm just trying to figure out if I'm just on the wrong side of some numbers here, or have they started to catch up to some of these numbers? So um, that's a great question, and I don't have all the answers. Okay, that's mm-hmm. my disclaimer. But what I will say is, I f- I think the casual fan or the public, shall I say, I think just like in the fantasy world, just like you in the betting world, Kev, I think sometimes people when looking at individual props are reactionary. I think they are just like, oh, he did that this week, last week. And then this is what's going to happen again, right? And that these trends will just continue to happen. You know, a lot of times, sometimes when we're talking about a game, Kev, you'll be like, would this spread be the same if this didn't happen last week, right? And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people are just looking at the adjustments. 
since I, as you know, really try to look a little bit more big picture, a little bit more comprehensive as what I think this offense is trying to do up against this defense. Where are the matchups? And not necessarily about, oh, this guy's hot. He ran for 111 last week, you know. And so, for example, Derrick Henry yesterday, I bet the under on as a prop bet that I gave out. And people thought it was wild. But what I was hanging the hat on was the Pittsburgh Steelers defense being able to stop the run and the idea mm. of Taylor Lewan being gone and what I thought a game script could be. I was telling people as we welcome our radio audience in around the country, including out west with the mightier 1090. Thank you for waking up very early with us. I was saying you also have to factor in there's the potential in this game that Tennessee would have a negative game script from the first time all season and guys like Mick Nichols would be on the field a little bit more, right? So I think when it comes to the prop market, and I personally was 3-1 and one with the ones I gave out yesterday on Pro Football Today, hitting with the Derrick Henry under, mm. hitting with the T. Higgins over, and then what I did, Kev, is I gave out both Jared Cook and Traquan Smith to go over in New Orleans. Both of them were only at 42.5. Traquan Smith went over. Jared Cook felt just shy, but I told people, you'll mm. go at least 1-1 one and one with those, and if you want to get a little bit tasty, shove on all two. But I think just like fantasy, what you talk about is you got to yeah. zoom out a little bit and can't be as minutely focused on it. You know, yeah. another thing that so, is a big picture takeaway from me, Kev, is the idea that this mm -hmm. NFC West is entirely better than this NFC East. There is no <clears throat> team in the NFC West that doesn't have as many as three wins already with the Rams still mm -hmm. left to go tonight. And there is no team in the NFC East that has at least three wins, you know, and we are going to talk all season long about, you know, the seven playoff spots in each conference. Of course, the division winners will get in, but then three other non-division winning teams will get in. And at this point, I think it's viable to wonder and consider if all three NFC wild cards could come from the West because it ain't coming from the East. We don't believe necessarily, I don't believe necessarily in the Bears. And then we're talking about, you know, second place in the South versus all three of these dogs out West. I find it very important whenever this conversation comes up to mention that the Philadelphia Eagles beat the San Francisco 49ers because that is a very important thing for the NFC East uh, as they try to push through all of the deserved slander, yet still a ton of it coming their way. I will say, uh, I've been thinking about this as well, the NFC East is going to get a spot, no way they get two spots. Right. Eight legitimate teams for six spots i do not know how the nfc west doesn't start to eat each other up though and send you know all of them i think two of them we don't know here they can really start to beat each other up yeah, it's going to be interesting. But if last place in the West is like 8-8, eight and eight, they may be live. We'll break down all the games starting with the NFC West. We'll come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Welcome back in, everybody, right here onto the early line, giving you the edge, putting the fun and functional sports content at the same time. Dane and Kevin, we got to start, Kev, with Sunday night football. And if you didn't stay up to watch it, boy, did you miss something exciting. It's ironic. The Cardinals never held the lead until the last play of the game when they kick a field goal by Zane mm. Gonzalez to win this game 37-34. to 34. It felt like a back-and-forth game between, like, 13 and six points, you know? And then, listen, Russ throws what should have been a pick six, except DK Metcalf chases down Buda Baker. We had bombs left and right. Tyler Lockett goes absolutely off. 15 catches, 200 yards receiving, and three touchdowns not to be outdone on the other side. Kyler Murray throws for 360 and three touchdowns. He also runs in for a score. And I don't know about you, but there were times in this game, Kev, where I felt Kyler Murray outplayed Russell Wilson. They kept on making the point about all his moon balls that happened. And while Hmm. those are beautiful, he threw two for picks yesterday. Uh, He threw three interceptions total giving Kyler Murray and the Cardinals the opportunity to do more than just backdoor to come all the way back tie it going into overtime and win it in a back and forth overtime where a tie was almost viable because there was not a lot of time left but now Mm. we were talking about the NFC West and the Cardinals show themselves they are now only half a game back of Seattle with a head-to-head win in hand over Russell Wilson and what many people believe were the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I, outside of the fact that I lost the Cardinals plus seven and a half first half bet because DK Metcalf's only good play of the game was a tackle, um, I loved this game. It was a really, really fun football game, but I would say it felt like a game between two teams on a similar level, and that's not how they're booked, not how they're priced, not how we talk about them. Arizona is 5-2. and two. They enter their bye with a world of momentum and two straight home games off of that bye. Just a game back of the Seattle Seahawks. Kyler Murray going to firmly put himself in the MVP race now. Rushing touchdowns every single week, seemingly. Throws for 360 and three more scores on top of it. I adore how quickly he realized how much of a baller DeAndre Hopkins is. He goes, yeah, Larry Fitz, Isabella, Kirk, I love it. Kirk, two touchdown a guy again, but we know who the clear number one is. But Seattle. Seattle, Seattle, Seattle. Regression finally catches this team. My God. The, The ways that this team was winning... But what happens now, Dane, that the rug was finally pulled out from underneath them? The one thing that you and I have talked a lot about on this show is picking apart resumes. Dangerous game, right? Because you can do it for pretty much every team. But Seattle now 5-1, 0-1 in division, Cardinals comfortably the best team they've played. Seattle's other two options are Miami and New England, right? I can't believe what's happened to that New England quality of victory. The other side of this, though, is this game was this close and Russ probably played his worst game of the year. That's right. So what does that say? The thing that is so puzzling to me of all of it, an A-plus scheduling spot for the Seahawks of coming off of a bye versus the Cardinals on a short week on Monday night, 
And they looked significantly more gassed when that got to overtime. I didn't know what to make yeah. of that from the Seattle front. Is their pace of play just keep make, dra- draining the energy tank as the game goes on? Very surprised Seattle didn't capitalize on what I think is an A-plus scheduling spot. Seven second-half points after 27 in the first half. No, that is interesting. You know, the way I feel about it, we've talked about Russell Wilson previously, right? And we've said, like, Russell Wilson just does this. They rely on this from Russell Wilson, and he delivers most of the time, right? I don't change much about what I see from Seattle, to be quite honest, right? We believe that Seattle and Russ can pull this out, and he does so. 90, 95% of the time. This was the egg of Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson Mm. threw for three interceptions in this game. And Arizona needed all of it to ultimately win, right? I don't change much of what I see. I think their defense is still not amazing in Seattle, but they rely and it usually comes in for us. This was the time where he threw three picks. He threw three picks and they lost in overtime. Okay, so I don't believe Russ is going to throw three picks most of the time. And that's why Seattle Mm. is still, in my opinion, in the catbird seat. Like you needed an off performance from Russell Wilson, including Mm. an interception like in overtime to actually beat this team. And if you think that NFC teams can bank on that happening, you got another thing coming. Are they dominant? Were they going to go 16 and 0? Are the Cardinals and other teams a threat in that division? Yes, but I still think it is comfortable to expect Seattle to perform in that way. I do want to ask you about another NFC West team, though, Kev, now you've alluded to them, the San Francisco 49ers, Mm. right? Because if we are shuffling the deck here in the NFC West, then tell me what you think about this Niners performance. They go out and dump truck the New England Patriots, right? Newton looks bad, right? Jeff Wilson Jr. is running all over them until he unfortunately gets injured at the end of the game, right? But Now, where do these 49ers fit? You've just been talking about a win against New England doesn't really mean much anymore. But alas, the 49ers get back to over 500, which they need to be in that division. Where do they slot in? What did you take away from that game? Yeah, I think this Niners performance was surprising. I said it all week, and it didn't change. Uh, you know, I got to the betting window on New England, dead wrong. Uh, I thought it was a great spot for them. The Niners winning that game that dominantly, in a, where Garoppolo throws no touchdowns but two picks. He was 20 of 25 for 277. Yeah, uh, this team Very efficient. clearly relying on their ground game. Maybe the defenses woke up here a bit. You're, I appreciate you, though, allowing me the opportunity to bring the Niners into a question that I just wanted to pose. Mm-hmm. Maybe we don't even have the opportunity to answer it enough in this spot here. But Seattle is minus 140 to win the NFC West. You have seven weeks of information on this division. Before that Sunday nighter, Seattle was viewed as not only a tier above this division, maybe the entire conference. I would probably think then that plus 120 on the field of the Niners, the Rams, and the Cardinals would be the, or yes, no, does Seattle win this division? Mm, There's value there, but is in the eye of the beholder. Either a great discount on the best team in the NFC to win their division, or a team with a one-game lead over Arizona, 
maybe a one-game lead by night's end over the Rams, and only yeah. a two-game lead over a red-hot Niners team who Seattle has to play next week. Yeah, I think it's really interesting if you look at the divisions on its face also, right? You got Seattle minus 140 to win the NFC West. Then San Fran, the Rams, and the Cardinals are like plus 480. And those are three Mm -hmm. good teams. Absolutely. We also have to mention in these two games, some running backs went down. Okay, Jeff Wilson Jr. for the San Francisco 49ers, leaving Jarek McKinnon is kind of like the last man standing after a big performance. And in that Sunday night football game, Kenyon Drake went down. Looks like an ankle injury. That was late in the game. He was carted off. Now, Chase Edmonds, we've been talking about as a revelation and – at worst, 1B in that backfield. So now Chase Edmonds really should grow in opportunity. And, Kev, I got to tell you something. For me, in this game, San Francisco, New England, because the New England side we should talk about on the other side of the break. But the San Francisco side, when you talk about the run game, Kev, Mm. we now, in my opinion, I want to get your thoughts. When you talk about the San Francisco run game, I think you must, Kev, include Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk Mm -hmm. in that run game. Mm -hmm. In the same way, Kev, and you're going to smile, like when we talk about the Kansas City run game, you got to talk about Tariq Hill, right? In the same way that these, there are a number of teams now that legitimately (laughs) have that end around wide out stuff, getting horizontal in the run game purposefully, and it's a real part of their run game, San Francisco included. Like Debo is now also just getting tosses from out of the backfield. Yeah, no, listen, and that's the thing here. Kyle Shanahan starting to really get this train rolling. As long as his defense can match, that's why the NFC West is so loaded, right? Who are you trying to pick on in this division? It's true. And even think about the way Pittsburgh looks these days with Claypool and Dio Johnson stretching it horizontally as well. This is important for offense in the NFL. We'll talk about it when we come back here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. We, of course, welcome back our radio audience. Shout out to all the affiliates uh, trying to get the edge here with Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. Kev, the Pats are two and four. Um, And, like, next week, they play the Buffalo Bills. Is it just on to Buffalo? Or um, is it finally the fall of Rome? Like, I mean, there's no Tom Brady here. There's, like, Julian Edelman clearly compromised. This defense is not what it used to be. Like, Cam, listen, I love Cam. I think you and I are both kind of, like, on Cam's side, right? We want to see Cam do well. And I think that's fine and all, but, you know... Maybe, maybe the shoulder is back, but he was inaccurate, did not look good. Also, and I hate to sound silly, the man is recovering from COVID. And we have no, no, no idea, no idea to what extent that is still hampering him, right? Yeah. Um, so, but there's no, but that's still me trying to make excuses. The real mm-hmm. question is, should the football world continue to try to make excuses for the Patriots or are they just the two and four team that should be talked about like other two and four teams in the NFL, Kev? 
Okay, about 100 things here. I'll try and keep it to 50. First of all, uh, I said all week it was my favorite bet of the week. I thought I was maybe, hey, sharp guy Kev. As the week went on, I found out there was a lot of people who realized this was a great buy-low spot on New England. People I respect, people whose opinion I value. But that is dangerous then, when everybody has the same right. idea. Well, now the book laid like minus two and a half. Correct. Hey, now. Hey, now. Okay, listen. But all, that you have to be careful. At the end of the day, I wish I just didn't bet the game. And let if, if I'm right, I can just tell people I was right, but not lose my money. Be careful when you start to hear the chatter around a game in the way it happened with the right. Patriots. Secondly, there is a world where this team just stinks. Remember I told you last week I started to do the college football resume rankings for the yeah. NFL? I came to realize that the Patriots were below the Denver Broncos. And not just because the Denver Broncos beat them, but the Patriots' resume, just not there. It's just not there. They've not really done anything we gave them a lot of credit for hanging with Seattle. I don't even know what to make of that game anymore. It happened seven seasons ago. This was a team who had no weapons, proceeded to add no weapons, but lost defensive talent. Realistically, we shouldn't be surprised by this team struggling the way that they are. With all of that being said, maybe I'm being duped. But for whatever reason, when I found out that they asked Bill Belichick, is Cam Newton still the quarterback? And he said, absolutely. I bought right back in. It is Monday. Oh, yeah. We are ways away from next Sunday. I probably end back up on the Patriots. I'm not going to sell yet. Basically, that's the moment. Because the Bills are trying to become the new class of the division. And doing okay. it in a very sloppy fashion. If New England sits them down and says no, 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 okay. you kind of restore order to the world. And if Buffalo rolls them or even just beats them, well, then this is an ugly year and we start talking about how Bill Belichick finds his way into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. All right, fair enough. Kevin still has some faith in the team that is in third place in the AFC East with the same record as the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos. But yes, they will restore. We will see. That game against Buffalo coming up this week will be huge. You mentioned where are they in the upper echelon. You think maybe they can still be the class of the AFC East. You know what they're not the class of? The AFC as a conference and two teams that were vying for the top of that conference conference faced off yesterday the Pittsburgh Steelers go into Tennessee and I think they kind of handled them Tennessee made it close at the end came on back we're doing their thing Kev I've got to ask it to you in this way we know we've been talking about these teams now for months right and we have gotten I have gotten the sense that I'm a little higher on Pittsburgh than you are. You respect mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, but we're waiting for the flagship performance to fully buy in. Kev, was yesterday, did you get did you see what you needed to to put Pittsburgh in the upper echelon? So I guess it depends what the upper echelon is. They are and a not legitimate team. contender for the AFC championship. One of the two or three legitimate contenders for the AFC championship. 
So I, I'll tell you this. I think there's a top four in the AFC pretty clearly with a stark drop-off after four. Uh, I think there still might be a team in a league of their own in Kansas City. But this, okay. at the end of the day, they're now 6-0. and They won in Tennessee. Um, I want to, by the way, say, Steve, our excellent graphics guy, uh, accidentally twisting the knife, uh, saying that the over 50 and a half just gets there. I had a 51 and pushed. Uh, really, really just a push. I've never been more annoyed by a push. Big Ben just kept throwing stupid interceptions that took field goal opportunities away. The problem is, Dane, yeah. if Goskowski makes that field goal, Sure. I don't know what the the conversation here is totally different, right? Now, the same thing is true is if Deshaun Watson completes a two-yard pass and the Titans would have lost two in a row, right? So Mm -hmm. that's not a fair world to live in. I thought that this was a performance for Pittsburgh that I, as someone who was lower on them, have to move them up again, comfortably a part of what you're describing as the upper echelon. They can't win this game, and not move up for someone like myself. But for those that were already on Pittsburgh, yourself, Mm -hmm. Big Ben throws three picks. Ultimately, I don't think you see anywhere near an A game from the Titans, and they still were right there to the last, able to come back on them and make this thing tight. I Evenly matched teams. Maybe my, my biggest takeaway from the game. These teams are neck and neck inside this AFC race. Yeah, and that's fair, right? And 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 to me, in my opinion, personally, when you talk about rankings and stuff like that, for me, this is the second and third best team in the AFC doing battle. And it turned out to be a field goal game, okay? So, yes, and you are responding in a shocked way. Kansas City would be one for me. Baltimore would be four for me. Both of these teams I like over Baltimore in a, on a neutral field. And I think Pittsburgh showed that Because what they were able to do, here's what I think they were able to do. And it was in the prop bet that I mentioned. They limited Derrick Henry. Okay, all game long, even at the very end, his longest run was like 14 yards, but they were able to manage that and stop them. The question for me was around this Pittsburgh defense. Could they bow up against something like Derrick Henry? And to me, the answer was yes. I liked what I saw from the Pittsburgh defense. And if they can do that to the Tennessee run game, I believe they could put the game on the arm of Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore run game. They could do similar things too. In my opinion, I also believe this Pittsburgh Steelers offense, when we talk about the herd and we talk about Kansas City and San Francisco and some of the way they do things, now... With Deontay Johnson and Chase Claypool and Juju Smith-Schuster there and the new loving target of Eric Ebron as well, I think having Hmm. Claypool and Deontay Johnson there is very important to give Big Ben, in essence, you know, not Kansas City, but the elite fantasy herd that allows a Hall of Fame quarterback to find the matchups and continue to move the ball down the field. I think they've got a top-level offense and a top-level defense. I think they can play with anybody. For me, 
Um, I have the four teams as KC, Pittsburgh, Tennessee, and then Baltimore. You said there's four and then a big drop-off. I think those are the four and then the Mm drop-off. You may disagree, but wherever the drop-off is, the following team couldn't really do much to prove it because I think it's the Buffalo Bills who went into New York and played (laughs) the New York Jets and got the job done, but I don't know. You know, listen. They're coming off two losses to teams in this vein that would be ranked above them, right? They lost to Tennessee. They lost to Kansas City. Now they play a doormat in the New York Jets, and they get the job done 18-10. to They go on the road and get a road division win, but... The Jets look better under Sam Darnold at center. Denzel Mims came back off of IR, and the rookie went 4 for 42 as well. But the Buffalo Bills hop in, hop out, get the job done, and get a road division win. The Jets are terrible. I I really can't stress this enough, man. Are they less terrible terrible. under Sam Darnold? Are they less terrible? Yeah, they're less terrible. Um, they, They gained next to zero yards in the second half of this game. The yeah. Bills scored 18 points. They kicked all field goals. Yeah. I know that that might say, oh, it's impressive, you know, Ben, don't break defense. That is six scoring possessions that they gave up. And he missed up. one, too. And he missed one. Like, <laughs> th- this is what I'm, like, the Bills, they just didn't finish the drives. And it still was enough. They were the missed one away from covering the number. And they right. couldn't have played worse. Josh Allen looked terrible. I mean, you want to talk about a fall from grace. Top mm. four MVP to, yep, that's what I thought. I mean, right. j- like, just like this. Just like this. Because I don't even think the I don't think Gabe would argue that Buffalo belongs in the tier that you and I are setting as the top four. I don't think you can. I, I just now. Buffalo's, I don't, not their season is not on the line, but basically, Buffalo gets the job done next week. They're in the playoffs. I feel good enough right. saying that. I know Tua, Miami, I, I get it. Buffalo would be six and two, even at least a, a wild card spot if Tua went and yeah. went crazy. That's the reality for Buffalo. The Jets, they get an ATS win. That's great. I'm not all that impressed. No, I'm not impressed either, but I did think they Sam Donald started looking good, and I think they'll be good enough to not go 0-16. More early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back in, everybody. Right here onto the early line. Kev, you know, we've been talking about, like, these, these threats to the top of the AFC. Right. Um, We saw what happened with Pittsburgh and Tennessee. I thought, you know, a a good old game back and forth. Those teams are strong. We have seen Buffalo over the last couple of weeks start to uh, turn into a pumpkin a little bit. 
Uh, we think they're a good team, a likely playoff team, especially if they get past the Pats next week. You mentioned they'd be 6-2. and two. They'd only have to go 500 the rest of the way to finish like 10-6, and six, likely is good enough to win the AFC East. The Baltimore Ravens, who I think we both believe are in the upper echelon of the AFC, they were on a bye. They are resting up. Lamar is resting up that knee because Pittsburgh comes to town the following week. And then the other team that we all have to consider in this mix clearly is the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> and they, in the snow, put it on the Denver Broncos, 43-16. to 16. They get a kickoff return for a touchdown. Pringle goes 102 yards. And listen, it was the snow, right? So Patty Mahomes only for 200 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, listen, Kev, on one side, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire only gets eight carries. So, like, yeah. Lev Bell is going to be a threat, right? Lev Bell rips off 15, 16-yard games. He gets 39 yards and six carries. But Clyde Edwards-Hilaire does something he has not done since week one of the <laughs> NFL season, and that is get to pay dirt and not have laundry on the field on the play that it happens. CEH yeah. gets in the end zone. The Chiefs look like they continue to roll even in the snow. They get the job done. The Chiefs move to 6-1 and one on the season. Yeah, this was actually uh, a game I was very glad to be on in-game live for so I could follow it. Uh, you look here at the offensive numbers, and you're like, wow, the Chiefs were held in check. They just didn't have the football. They had a kickoff return to the house. That takes away an offensive possession, plus a pick six. That takes away an offensive possession and a couple of short fields from some more Denver turnovers. They ran 25 less plays than the Denver Broncos. 25 mm. less plays. They just didn't need to be out there. And uh, I had the over in this game. And I was able to make this point, I think it was the first half, when the Kansas City Chiefs are in a short yardage fourth down on their opponent's side of the field and they punt, it means they are no longer interested and they will see you next week. And they did that in the first half. Like, they knew then it was done and they were... 100% correct. It's like a fighter when you're in the in. ring of the octagon, Kev, and you yeah. know that this guy with his punch cannot hurt you. Then you're Absolutely. a little bit more, you know, you're a little bit Absolutely. more uh, comfortable going in for yeah. it. Yeah. The score was 43 to 16, right? Massive over game. The Chiefs scored 43 points. Like, the only thing, the only person that had a good fantasy day was the Chiefs defense slash special teams. That was it. Right? I mean, if you're playing in a PPR, you take the Tyreek Day, all right, Edwards got a touchdown, sure. Melvin Fine on the other side of it. But this is like, oh, this game must have been explosive. No, because the Broncos' offense was on the field the whole time just making mistakes, and the Chiefs just capitalized yeah. pretty quickly. So it's a game that the box score doesn't jump out. They just rolled easily. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's going to be very interesting. I say it all the time to you, Kev. What's good for the real-life team may not be good for the fantasy team. Yeah. So, again, the fact that the Chiefs are an elite fantasy herd helps them. But then, listen, if you're trying to think Nicole Hardman's going to fill in for Sammy Watkins, you only get seven points. Tariq Hill's touchdown saves it, right? Kelsey, only three for 31. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, yeah. who has been huge in the passing game previously, right? Only one catch. And now this work in the running back room gets spread even more thin with Le'Veon Bell as a factor. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight Chiefs catch at least one pass from Patrick Mahomes. And in a day when they score 43 points, wait. the Chiefs don't give a damn about your fantasy team, Kev. What's up?
I can't wait to hear what we're supposed to do with this team next week, fantasy-wise, props-wise, yeah. playing the Jets at home. You, you, I, you, you just... You bet them to win the game, or you lay the twenty-one. <laughs> you lay the twenty-one. I think. But like, Would you who isn't going to have something to get it day. down to only fourteen? That's ridiculous. No. But we have all week no. to discuss that. There is one other team in the AFC that is kind of like hanging around, getting some respect. But they went down. They went down hard, and they went down to a team who, as we switch over to the NFC, may be the class of the NFC. I'm talking about the Las Vegas. Raiders, who have some good wins under their belt, but they could not do work against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who put up 45. There's no Antonio Brown yet, but it doesn't matter Hmm. as TB12 throws for 369 yards and four touchdowns. Scotty Miller gets one. Chris Godwin gets one. Rob Gronkowski gets one. Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette again and again and again. Kev, this is offensively maybe another elite fantasy herd, especially with Mm. the addition of Antonio Brown, especially with Leonard Fournette back in, Ronald Jones able to do his thing, and the elite game manager that is Tom Brady now, right, to limit the turnovers. I don't care if it's third down or fourth down. This guy still knows how to manage the game and put the ball in the right people's hands. And then, Kev, what I will continue to say, this defense under Todd Bowles is underrated, entered week seven, giving up the fewest yards a game in in the NFL, the fewest yards a game on the ground in the NFL. Everyone likes all the shiny new toys and is going to talk about Antonio Brown, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers now have a defense that will travel and help them in January. The Bucks arrow is pointing up, in my opinion, Kev. It's definitely pointing up, right? I mean, they they beat the Packers 38-10. to 10. Could this be a letdown yeah. spot? This game is all over the map. I will tell you, though, this is a very misleading final score. The score was 24-17. It was 24-20. The Raiders had the football on the Bucs' 17-yard line, fourth and one. John Gruden kicks a field goal. I still don't understand how he thought that was the move. I will never understand how he thought that was the move. The Bucs go down, put up a touchdown, because this offense is rolling on that drive, just picking up third downs, even a third and 13, getting the job done. First play from scrimmage, now in a 31-20 game. Derek Carr loses one, throws a bad pick. Quick, boom, touchdown. Make him pay. Uh, then, four and out. Gruden now decides, I want to be aggressive, right? Goes for it deep in his own territory. Another short-yarded situation. Tampa capitalizes. Was Tampa the better team? Yes. Are the Bucks trending upwards? Couldn't agree more. I might tell you they're the best team in the NFC. You talk about a complete football team that can get it done yeah. on both sides. Yeah. But this is a very misleading final score. They were not 25 points better than the Raiders on Sunday. Okay. 
Uh, fair enough. Listen, another thing I was looking to bet this week, but the number just didn't come out quick enough for me. With the banged up offensive line and all their woes, I was looking for a Josh Jacobs under, and Josh Jacobs only runs no. 10 times for 17 yards. But the Raiders, listen, at 3-3 three and three are still in the mix. I mean, they are above the Patriots, for goodness sakes, in the wild card, <laughs> but the focus should be on Tampa Bay. I gotta tell you something. When that buzz was happening about Antonio Brown to Tampa Bay, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we could break down the impact that might have i mean mike evans and chris godwin are now going to be seeing single coverage all over the place pick your poison oh and tom brady knows how to read the mail and find the mismatch that's right but before this signing happened kev i got shares of the tampa bay bucks to win the nfc and let's just say that number has dropped dramatically since i got it but we're talking about teams now kev making claims to the top of the nfc we talked about Seattle in the show. We've just talked about Tampa in this show. We respect the NFC West and what's going on there. But another team that I submit for your consideration in this vein, Kev, is the Green Bay Packers, who got tripped up last week down in Tampa, didn't look great, only scoring 10 points last week. And so Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were like, yo, hold my beer. Devontae Adams, 13 catches, 196 yards, and two touchdowns. They score 35 points. They continue, Kev, to look like the key here is the growing chemistry between Adam, uh, Aaron Rodgers and second year head coach Matt LaFleur they're doing what they want to do offensively they are seeing it the same way they didn't need even need Aaron Jones at this in this one to score 35 points against Houston yeah I mean Rodgers and LaFleur have lost four regular season games together Mike yeah. McCarthy has lost in almost more a than and that a half. this year uh yeah. so that gives you an idea this team didn't have Aaron Jones no problem. Yep. Uh, we talked about this game, Dane, and we both agreed. The number, right, the value was on the Texans. Yeah, I but I remember making the point, and I, I think this is what we, the conversation was, yeah, but Green Bay might roll them. What's value right. if it loses? And Green Bay rolled them. I don't know who was on the call for this game, but hilariously, when Devontae Adams scored his second touchdown pretty much wide open, he was befuddled. He goes, what are you doing? Like, of, of all the people to leave wide open, yeah. right? Like, if you're yeah. playing the Golden State Warriors and you leave Steph open for three, you're getting benched. Like, don't leave that guy, right? Like, don't let Devontae run wide open down the field. The, the Packers are great. Definitely a top three team in the NFC. Rodgers continues to be wonderful. They had a bump in the road last week. A game ultimately they were up 10-0 in. They settle in a little bit more. That's a tighter football game. And the Houston Texans... Yeah, one and six, it's over. You don't have your first right. round pick. You can never, you can't sell. Uh, what are you even selling? I'd hire Chip Kelly because they're at their best when Deshaun Watson's just <laughs> in the hurry up, run, run, running around anyway. So might as well yeah. have some fun. You can at least do it for another week before the Pac 12 starts and him and, uh, him and the UCLA Bruins are taking the field. <laughs> I can't believe this team is one and six and they don't have their first round pick. And it, it, we won't be able to give it enough time to talk about how much of a disaster it is because, honestly, it doesn't warrant it. We are so far away from right. draft season. But I will try and bring it up at any moment I can. Disaster in Houston. Yeah, it absolutely is, you know, and it's interesting. For years, Kev, 
the Seattle Seahawks, you know, didn't even give a damn about their offensive line, developing their offensive line, getting playmakers. They were just like, Russell Wilson will be enough for us, you know, in the early parts of his career. They had a great defense. It feels like Houston is doing the same thing. Like, it's all right. We got Deshaun Watson. He will mask all of our problems, you know, and I, I, no. I feel bad for Deshaun. You know, because if he's, let's put it this way, if Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes traded lives, right, he'd be able to win Super Bowls with the Chiefs. You know what I mean? But Deshaun Watson yeah. is in a spot. Watson's a top five quarterback. He is, asked to be, he is asked to be Superman, and he got paid as such, and I agree with it, but he got, he, he's asked to do so much more than some of these other quarterbacks. Think about how set up. Mahomes is how set up the Baltimore Ravens organized their entire franchise so Lamar could be successful, how they are building around the young quarterback in Buffalo, what they did in Arizona to support the young, obviously, you know, franchise quarterback in Kyla Murray. They have not done the same thing for Deshaun Watson in Houston. What I do want to ask you, though, is we talk yeah. about these NFC tiers, right? We know the AFC. We agree on the top four teams, Seattle, Green Bay. Tampa, one more team I'll talk about at the top of hour two. Is the top of the NFC solidifying itself for you? Real quick. I would say any conversation has to have Tampa, Green Bay, and Seattle. If you wanted to try and sneak more teams in there, I'd listen. But I definitely think it's important after Seattle's lost those top three, there's no gap between them. All right. Uh, when we come back, we got to touch college football. And then in hour Heck two, yeah. I'll submit another team in the NFC for you. See if you fight. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Kev, right here on to the early line. Kev, everybody here on the early line. As we close up our number one, listen, we're going to get right back into the NFL. But if you've been watching the early line over the last couple of weeks, you know we've been dipping our toe in the college football waters. And, Kev, we have been cheering for chaos theory. And, honestly, I think we were helped by the outcomes of the weekend. Right. Like specifically, Penn State goes down. OK, we were talking about these Big Ten teams that were O and O in their record. And we had no idea what they were going to look like. And how do they occupy the top 10? Well, Penn State goes on the road. Indiana now finds its way into the top 25 with their big win. They go down. So remember, Kev, we've been talking about falling by the wayside. Penn State falls by the wayside. But you know who doesn't, Kev? Number nine, Cincinnati, does not fall by the wayside as they go to SMU and, Kev, look impressive, winning by almost 30. You know who else does not fall by the wayside? Our guys at Oklahoma State who go ahead and get a tough win at Iowa State. BYU also wins. Then you got Oregon still standing there at 0-0. Where would you like to go, Kev? Because for me, it happened the way we wanted to. We know the top mm-hmm. three in the rankings right but then there's what georgia notre dame we expect them to lose and then the next teams up are our guys the cowboys and the bearcats 
Hold on, hold on about Notre Dame losing now. Don't don't pull don't pull me there. Look, at the end of the day they're though, they're gonna lose the Clemson. I, uh, gonna lose the Clemson. Uh, well, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Uh, fine, fine Irish. Hold on now. Fine. Hey, listen, that's just my team. That's all it is. That's at the end of the day, twelve against Louisville. Sure. And then scored forty five at Pitt. <laughs> and then Louisville slaughtered that Florida will State. Lose to Clemson. But go ahead. <laughs> no worries. Here's 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 the thing I will tell you though. Okay, Oklahoma State. Sixth in the country. We told you 150 to 1. It's now 80 to 1. They play the very, very tough games the next three weeks. Okay? Texas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, who ended up back in the top 25 somehow. Right. Your boys, Cincinnati, even though it's a group, but Oklahoma State, me, Cincinnati, you together, right. They didn't move, and I don't understand why. They're up to seven. No disrespect to Houston, Memphis, and, and uh, UCF. SMU at SMU, toughest game on their schedule. Cincinnati, man, 201. Can't believe it's not moved. The real win on the road at a top 20 team. Their resume grows, and we'll follow it all season long. When we come back, we go right back to the NFL here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 